When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi and welcome to our series of criminal cases. Chloe Ayling, a young British model, was on the brink of a promising career in the world of fashion. At just 20 years old, she had already appeared on magazine covers, posed for famous photographers, and had an Instagram account with more than 100,000 followers. However, everything changed on July 17, 2017, when she was invited to take part in a photo session at a studio in Milan. Drugged, handcuffed, and thrown into the trunk of a car, the nightmare had just begun. Chloe discovered that she was being auctioned off on the dark web for the benefit of a powerful human trafficking network, the Black Death. While the case resulted in a tidal wave in the British press, there were still some voices that condemned the whole thing as a setup fabricated by the victim herself. What was the truth and what was fiction? That's exactly what we are going to find out in our latest criminal case today. It was the morning of July 12, 2017, at the head office of the supermodeling agency. The company's director, Phil Green, was seated in the front of his computer and checking his email, just as he did every morning. Self-taught, having started from nothing, Phil Green was one of those bosses who had no shame in bragging about his success, sometimes quite blatantly. His agency had more than 100 models. Since the 1980s, the agency specialized in glamour modeling, promoting those girls whose measurements didn't always meet runway standards, but who nevertheless appeared on famous page 3 of the tabloid every week. It should be noted that in the United Kingdom, the page 3 in the tabloid was intended as a weekly showcase of young women from various modeling agencies. They were usually photographed in sexy poses, wearing very little or no clothing. For years, girls from the supermodel agency could brag about holding the top spot on the page of the paper, much to the delight of the agency's director. Phil Green scrolled through the massive number of emails he usually received. There were job offers from car shows, photographers in search of models, and even very wealthy individuals looking for hostesses for their galas and private parties. Rich enough to pick and choose the offers that he wanted, Phil Green took interest in the most tempting offers that mostly came from Dubai or the United States. However, among the emails, one stood out, sent from an email address that looked unusual, from an organization called Black Tet. Why wasn't it sent to the spam folder? The director wondered. Intrigued, he quickly opened the email. We have Chloe Ailing. If you don't pay us $300,000 within the next 24 hours, she'll be sold off on the dark web. You've been warned. London, early March 2017. Okay, you can go and get changed now. 
Chloe Ailing had just finished a photo shoot for advertising a new brand of energy cereal bar. She usually hated that kind of food, but had to take hearty bites of it for every take before spitting it out of camera. Chloe was 20 years old, a radiant young blonde girl, comfortable in her own skin, sweet, attractive and self-confident. But that wasn't always the case, and it had taken her years before agreeing to post nude for some pin-up magazines. As she left the studio in West Ham, she took a taxi towards Gainsborough, where her modeling agency was located. She had an appointment with her boss, who had called her the same morning. He didn't want to get into it on the phone, but he briefly told her about an interesting offer in Paris. Hearing the word Paris alone was enough for Chloe to feel like she had just sprouted wings. She had always wanted to go there and take part in some event and now it seemed like her dream would come true. But before going any further into the story, let's take some time to find out a bit more about Chloe Ailing. She was born on November 25, 1997 and coalsed into a Polish mother and a British father. Her father left home shortly after she was born and she grew up only with her mother, who never remarried and devoted herself to her child's education. Chloe had an ideal childhood despite the economic hardships that she experienced being in a single-parent family. Her mother worked hard so that she never lacked anything. She was an excellent student and was deeply interested in science and philosophy. She was also involved in several sports such as rhythmic gymnastics, horseback riding, swimming, and running. During her teenage years, while most of her friends were chasing boyfriends or going to dance, Chloe preferred to stay at home and study. She was very shy, introverted, and had trouble approaching boys. Besides, her circle of friends too was quite restricted. The year she turned 16 was a turning point in her life. She started to lose interest in studies, often went out at night and started smoking, drinking, and dressing more provocatively. It was on one of these evenings when she met Connor, another high school student, and they fell in love. At 17, Chloe became pregnant and never took her matriculation exams. She gave birth to a little boy named Ashton. She was on cloud nine and devoted all her time to her baby. However, her relationship with Connor, the father of the child, was on the rocks. The two couldn't stand each other anymore. They eventually separated six months after the baby was born. Chloe went back to high school the following year and completed her diploma with good grades. She later enrolled in a bachelor's degree program in psychology while also studying musicology at Trinity Laban, Conservatory of Music and Dance. That was where she discovered photography and wanted to make it her profession. With time, her career ambitions began to lean towards modeling. Blonde and good-looking, Chloe Ailing first made a name for herself by producing videos that were very popular in England called Football Striptease. Published on YouTube, the video presented a kind of bet where each time the football team that she was supposed to represent lost, she had to take off her t-shirt. Her videos soon grew in popularity. In addition, she also appeared in gag videos. Despite the appearances, her collaboration on YouTube weren't earning her much in those days, but helped popularize her image. With the increasing popularity of Instagram and other social media platforms, Chloe Ailing became influential and published photos of herself. Often scantily clad, her Instagram page quickly generated more than 100,000 followers. She gave beauty advice, tips for losing weight, as well as makeup tutorials. In August 2016, the gates of the star system opened. When she signed her first contract with Supermodel Agency, a famous London modeling agency. From then on, things moved quickly. The Daily Star, a tabloid, started paying more attention to her. 
On several occasions, she was chosen for the paper's famous page 3. She also featured on the reality TV show Celebrity Big Brother 22. Sought after by many British photographers, she earned £500 per photo session, which is quite a hefty sum for a non-professional model who is still just starting out. Phil Green, supermodel's director, handled her like a protégé and ensured that she only received the most lucrative offers. She wasn't tall enough or slender enough to become a runway model, so she adapted her looks to glamour modeling. What were her assets? A perfectly oval face, framed by a mane of peroxide blonde hair, Slavic features, and a curvy figure. Chloe embodied a modern-day version of pin-up model girls like Marlon Monroe and within a short time became the fantasy of thousands of men across the country. But success did not get the young woman's head and she made it a point to carefully choose the people with whom she worked. That meant she often solicited advice from her agent and director to make her professional decisions. He took care of everything, but he was also the one whose approval was required for even the slightest detail. Originally, Phil Green was a London lawyer who really wasn't part of show business, although he did know people. The shrewd and ambitious man gained a lot of attention when he founded the supermodel agency in 1987, an agency which would grow over the years to earn a place in the British and the international fashion world. In 2017, Phil Green's agency had been in business for 30 years. It could boast of having a huge roster of glamorous models as well as influencers. Phil Green launched the careers of several budding top models like twin sisters Laura and Claudia Badura and even Gary Halliwell, the famous red-headed spice girl from the 1990s. Many of his girls were featured in erotic publications like FHM, Playboy and Maxim. Most had a monopoly on gossip tabloids like The Sun or The Daily Mirror. In order to find his future starlets, Phil Green did most of his research online and made his choices using social media where a plethora of influencers rivaled each other in beauty, charm, and ambition. Green received a staggering amount of emails every day from all over the world requesting the services of his models. The requests and the criteria would vary. Some might be in for sporting events, secret photo shoots, charity balls, equestrian events, or for advertising. Sometimes he even approved requests from fetishists with money to spend. Some TV stations used the agency to hire contestants for their reality shows like Love Island in the UK. Like any other good businessman who lacked scruples, was hungry for money and influence. Phil never turned down a request. He even organized his own parties and galas in the most exclusive bars and discos in London where the international jet set want to play. The most sought-after offers were those coming from the Gulf countries because they were the wealthiest and the least demanding. As long as the girls was blonde, pretty, without too many moral boundaries, they were okay with anyone. In addition to the VP parties, which had more or less become his goose that laid golden eggs, Phil Green had found another way of making more profits. If one of the girls attracted the attention of a rich golf prince or a football star, the supermodel agency's director would use it to generate buzz by creating compromising situations that were completely staged often with the complicity of the model herself. By selling fake story to the tabloids, Phil Green would take 20% of the proceeds, not counting the manufactured photos featuring models in a very suggestive pose with their sugar daddy of the moment. The photo was worth thousands of pounds sterling. That's how things were done in this world, which had been closed off and inaccessible to those who did not share its values. Seated in her boss's large window office, Chloe began to consider the proposition that he had just made to her. Phil Green explained that he had just received an email from an alleged Italian fashion photographer named Andre Lazio, who wanted Chloe to take part in a photo shoot at a studio in Paris. 
she was instructed to wear a tight-fitting leather outfit for a car magazine advertisement. Phil Green also noted that in his email, the photographer appeared to be very professional and even outlined the schedule for the session and the outfits that the young woman would have to wear. In addition to the fee, there is also a return air ticket and accommodation at a four-star hotel, the Madeleine Plaza, right in the middle of Paris. Chloe was eager to give her approval without hearing her agent's advice. This was the first time that a foreign photographer had made such a significant proposition. Nevertheless, Phil Green used the days that followed to conduct his own personal investigation to reassure himself about the authenticity and credibility of his Italian photographer. In the past, many of his recruits had unpleasant surprises after going off blindly to the studios that truthfully were not. He searched for Andre Lazio's address on the internet and the location of his studio in Paris. The place really did exist and so did the photographer in question, so he was convinced that it was in a trap. Even so, Green insisted on seeing photos of the studio, which Lazio sent him without hesitation, wanting only to satisfy his concerns. All in all, everything seemed to be ideal. Chloe could take part with complete trust. The young woman was thrilled at the opportunity to travel, to have her picture taken, to go to the poshest place, to go shopping and stay in one of the best hotels in Paris. That was her dream. Those were among the reasons why she signed her contract with the agency on the first day, not just to post for erotic publications. As agreed, Chloe flew to France on April 20, 2017. The photo shoot was scheduled for the very next day. When she arrived at the airport in Orly, she was met by one of the photographer's assistants who brought her directly to her hotel. That evening, the French capital had been shaken by a terrorist attack perpetrated on the Champs-Élysées, an attack that cost the life of a police officer. France had been traumatized by the attacks at Charlie Hebdo just two years earlier, declared a national day of grieving. Unable to work under the circumstances, André Lazio, who Chloe would never meet, cancelled the photo sessions and sent her 600 euros as compensation as well as a taxi to bring her back to the airport. She returned to England somewhat disappointed but relieved that she wasn't a victim of the latest attack where German and British tourists were seriously injured. Then in early July 2017, Chloe received a call from Phil Green who apparently had a new offer for her, which was much more exciting than the one she never got to go through in Paris. And it just happened that André Lazio, the Italian photographer, was once again involved. He certainly seemed quite eager to work with the young woman. This time, André Lazio wanted to hire Chloe Ailing for a photo shoot in Milan. He was offering a substantial fee, 700 euros per photo. Phil Green gave his approval and on July 10, 2017, and the supermodel arrived at Lenate Airport in Milan. Unlike the last time, there was no one waiting for her. Her only reference point was the address of the studio, which was steps away from the train station in Milan. She climbed into a taxi and headed towards downtown. The weather was pleasant and the cafes were filled with people. There was such a feeling of the good life in the air. Looking out of the window of her taxi, Chloe could see Melanie's life unfold before her eyes. The almost natural elegance of the Italian people thrilled her and made her forget about the foggy London. The taxi stopped, she paid her fare retrieved her suitcase and got out. She walked along the train station and arrived in front of the building where André Lazio's studio was located. Once again, there was no one waiting there for her. Chloe was a bit puzzled but wasn't concerned. That was simply the way that some artists behaved. Perhaps he hadn't been able to find anyone to pick her up at the airport. She glanced at her phone. Besides a voice message from Phil Green wishing her good luck and a photo of her son sent by her mother on WhatsApp, there had been no news from the photographer not even to ask if she had arrived safely in Italy. 
Chloe opened the building's heavy door and walked along a dark hallway before stopping in front of a door marked Photo Studio in Italian. Finally, she had arrived. But before she could make even the slightest move to announce herself, everything went dark. Someone wearing gloves stood behind me, put my hand on my neck and another over my mouth while a second person dressed in a black hood injected some kind of substance into my right arm. Chloe only woke up several hours later, still feeling the effect of the drug that she had been injected with. It was in fact ketamine. She noticed that her hands and feet were tied, her mouth was covered with tape and she was bundled up in a bag. There was only one opening to allow her to breathe. But where was she? In a cave? An attic? or some other hiding place. Chloe noticed that there was something moving underneath her and that she was in transit. Struggling to completely regain her senses, she eventually realized that she was in the trunk of a car and the driver was racing to an unknown location. Was she a hostage? At first, panic gave way to shock. The young woman continued to struggle, trying to loosen the ropes that had bound her wrist, but it was impossible. She somehow managed to remove part of the black tape covering her mouth and started screaming. Help! Help! Somebody help me! The vehicle came to a stop. Chloe sensed that they had traveled down to the footpath. She curled up into a ball. Her heart was pounding. She heard heavy footsteps approaching and her eyes, dreading the worst. Maybe her kidnappers had a gun that he was going to finish her off. She thought of her two-year-old baby in London with his grandmother. A hiccup and then a sob rose in her throat. What was going on back there? What's the racket? Shut up, bitch! Two masked men, dressed in black leather jackets, stood before the young woman. Only their clear, staring eyes made them stand out from their dark clothing. Immediately, one of the pair put the scotch tape back on her mouth, before once again closing the door of the trunk. The car started, and they were again on their way. How long had they been traveling? Where was she at the moment? Was she still in Italy or a neighboring country? So many questions were rolling in Chloe's head, which was also struggling against the terrible urge to throw up and a piercing headache. The car eventually came to a stop. Chloe, who had fallen asleep towards the end of the trip, reawakened with a start. She could hear voices around her getting louder. She felt movement, precipitation, and then the trunk opened suddenly. It was night, and the two masked men from earlier were now shining their bright flashlights on her. Chloe was almost blinded. Where are we? Why did you bring me here? Who are you? At the moment, she was still unaware that she was on an isolated farm in Borigallo somewhere in the rural area of Turin. A handkerchief was placed over her mouth and once again she lost consciousness. July 11, 2017 What time is it? When a person is locked up, time moves differently than when they are outside. Within the four walls, the notion of time disappears and days are marked by the rising and setting of sun. Everything moves at a slower pace. One hour seemed like two days, maybe even three, and time just drags on. How could someone kill time when they were locked up? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Chloe awakened from a horrible nightmare. She dreamed that the two hooded men, who spoke with a strong Russian or Polish accent, had tossed her into a trunk to kidnap her. With heavy eyelids and pasty mouth and a dry throat, she dimly looked around the room. Her wrist was causing her terrible pain. She slowly started to regain her senses and realized, to her horror, that this was not a bad dream, but in fact, reality. She then tried to stand up, but was unable to. Her foot was shackled to a chest of drawers and her hands were tied behind her back. Her clothes had disappeared. She wore nothing more than a pink bodysuit and dirty gray socks. She had apparently perspired quite a bit because moist rings of sweat stained her clothing. She was a prisoner. Her memory drifted back to the airport in Milan, which now seemed so distant. She thought of the cappuccino that she had in a cafe close to the Milan train station. She recalled the first words in Italian spoken to her by a young man. Ciao, Bella Dovia. Hey, beautiful. Where are you going? She didn't know how to respond, and so she merely smiled at him. But what had she traveled to Italy for? Of course, it was for a photo shoot with the photographer named Andrew Andre, no, Andre Lazio. The room was not much to look at. It resembled one of those living rooms from the rural Italian homes with their high ceilings, paved floors, skylight-shaped windows, yellow-painted walls, a crucifix, and a washtub attached to a post. Chloe hurt all over. Her wrists were red and certainly injured as her shackles were so tight. Who was holding her captive and why? She asked herself the same question over and over again. Overcome with exhaustion, she once again fell into a sleep that was so deep. It appeared to be like in a coma. The flash of a camera awakened her. With a start, she tried to stand up in her haste. Forgot that her foot was still shackled to a chest of drawers. She fell back down in pain. One of her kidnappers had taken photos of her without her knowledge while she was asleep. Chloe, who had been too shocked to cry, now started to evaluate her chances of escape. They were very slim. A few moments later, a new face stood before the young woman. Unlike the others, she was not wearing a mask. The supermodel took note of his face. He had blonde hair, a pale complexion, spoke English with a strong Eastern European accent. My name is MD, and you are my prisoner now. I'll do whatever I want with you, and you will obey me. If not, you know what will happen to you, understand? Chloe tried to turn her head away, but was unable to make even the slightest movement. The man knelt next to her, grabbed her by the hair, and pulled her hair towards him. I didn't hear anything. Hey, I didn't hear you. What did you say? Let me go home, begged Chloe, bursting into tears. No, I don't think so. MD then explained the facts to her. The photo shoot that she was invited to take part in was just a decoy, and furthermore, and it was a setup by Andrew Lazio, the famous photographer. She had fallen into a trap, into the lion's den, sent like a piece of meat by her greedy, money-hungry boss. You're about to get solid as a sex slave on the internet. We are in the middle of negotiating the price right now. Do you know that you are worth a small fortune? He pinched her behind with her long fingernails. Chloe recoiled, turned her head away, and curled up into a fetal position, as if to protect herself. Undaunted, MD began to explain how the process of her sale was to proceed. Once she had been purchased on the dark web, she would probably flown off to the Middle East, where pretty blonde girls like her were much sought after. Her future owners would pass her around amongst each other and she would be forced to do whatever they ordered. Men from these countries usually end up getting bored with blondes and go back to their own women, chubby brunettes with big tits and fat thighs, added MD, 
picking his nose with his index finger. Chloe didn't want to hear any more and would have gladly plugged her own ears if she could. You know how you'll end up once they're finished with you? Well, they'll throw you to the tigers. I hear that's the equivalent of dogs and cats over there. The young woman once again broke into sobs and this time quite loudly. MD ordered her to be quiet if not he would hit her. She started crying even more. Waving a threatening fist, her kidnapper told her not to make a sound. Then he started swearing in Polish, his native tongue. Chloe, who understood everything he said, whispered softly to him. You're Polish, aren't you? You don't get to ask the questions. My mother is Polish too. MD laughed contemptuously before locking the door. July 12, 2017. The second day of captivity. Nature reasserted itself and Chloe was forced to urinate in her clothes since her jailers refused to let her use the toilet. Later that morning, her stomach began gurgling. My God, I'm so hungry, she thought. At the end of the afternoon, MD returned to her. Noticing the state of her clothes soaked in urine, he untied her and gave her a glass of ice water, which she drank at once. Chloe was mortified as she glanced at her wrist that they were red and sore all over. She dreaded being tied up again, but MD apparently didn't seem very interested in restraining her. Today, his mood was calm and much, much less threatening than the night before. Chloe knew that abrupt changes in mood were signs of a dangerous mental pathology. So she tried to be conciliatory and force herself to look brave and detached. Without her asking him, MD began to speak at length about his life as a thug. He explained how he had already earned $15 million within the space of five years, just by selling women on the dark web, mostly women from the East, but also Asian, African, and North African countries. Every client has their own preferences, and I have to satisfy everyone. That is my job. He turned the topic to the sale that he had mentioned about the previous night. Everything would be orchestrated by the Black Debt, a mafia organization that would handle the transaction. According to MD, the organization could be dangerous as the Russian or Chinese mafia, with whom he sometimes collaborated. He also told her that the price had been set for her sale was $300,000. You should know that it was me who did the most to set up the auction. So are you happy? At the moment, she felt like an animal in a cage. Chloe lowered her eyes and a tear streamed down her cheek. He breathed heavily in her face. If you even once try to escape, the organization will go after your mother and your son. Got it? The door closed once again on the young woman as she heard the sound of keys turning in the lock. At that point, it was only a matter of time, she thought. Once again, her pictures were taken. She was thrown into a bulk bag, carried into a trunk, and then into a cargo truck headed towards an unknown destination. The darkest scenarios began to play out in her head. She saw her mother sitting in the little kitchen with her rosary in hand. She saw her little Ashton, the bride forever of his mother and forced to live only with her memories. As a plan for the appalling sale is revealed to her with all its updates, Chloe realized that it was just a matter of weeks or even days and so she began praying every night. As soon as the room went dark, she began whispering the psalms that she had learned during her childhood at a Catholic chapel in the neighborhood. On the other side of the house, MD was pacing the floor. He let his mask slip. Now only confusion, anxiety and fear showed in his face. In truth, MD was just a nickname that he had given himself. His real name was Laukacz Pavel Herbia, and like Chloe, he too had once lived in England where his Polish parents had immigrated in the early 1980s. Pavel, who was in his 30s, had a crush on the young woman for some time ever since seeing her photos on page 3 of the Daily Star. He began to fantasize about her and imagine the two of them together, walking hand in hand like lovers. Unable to approach her in real life, he used his perverse imagination to get her to fall into his trap. 
Remember how the photo sessions in Paris had been cut short because of the attacks? Well, it turned out that Powell Herba was behind all of that too. After his first attempt failed, he didn't hesitate to try again. This time, he went so far as to invent a new identity for himself, selling studio photos found on the internet to give himself credibility and successfully managed to do people as shrewd as Phil Green. On July 12, he sent Green an email in an attempt to extort a $300,000 ransom from him. He signed his missive with the Black Death. The story of the mafia organized operating on the dark web was nothing more than an invention made up from Bavel Herbia's twisted imagination. Really, Chloe was not about to be sold off at auction. It was merely to extort money from her modeling agency for her family. Over the following days, MD started to gradually grow close to his captive. He let her use the toilet, gave her a change of clothes, and even allowed her to take a shower, provided that he could watch. Chloe had no choice but to accept, hoping it would spare her any more harm. Once night fell, MD asked Chloe if she would like to sleep with him in a real bed. She accepted. Chloe held her breath for most of the night, not knowing how she should act if her kidnapper forced her to have sex with him. Surprisingly, nothing happened and they remained stretched out side by side until the morning. On the fourth day of her captivity, Chloe noticed how the young man was trying to get even closer to her by being increasingly benevolent. He brought her breakfast and watched her eat. When the meal was done, he returned to being authoritarian in order to remind her how she might get herself killed if she tried to flee. Chloe got back into her act. She was conciliatory and even seductive in the hope that this might quell his mistrust. Flattered, MD started chatting with her. The supermodel seized even the slightest opportunity to give the impression that she was interested in him. She intended to use all her assets to trap her kidnapper and to escape this horrible house. MD let his guard down a little. He was convinced that Chloe would never leave him. Once evening came, he admitted to her that the kidnapping was a serious mistake on the Black Death organization's part since they were unaware that she was the mother of a young child and that in their charter, it is strictly forbidden to kidnap mothers of young children. He explained that the buyer didn't want to bother with welfare cases like his and that they were very demanding. He also said that originally, he was not the one who was supposed to keep her hostage, but an influential member of the mafia organization. He preferred to take the reins to avoid any kind of misunderstanding or screw-up. What caused this abrupt turnaround of events? Did Pavel MD already suspect that he was being hunted by the Italian and British police, or was he having a crisis of conscience? For the first time since her confinement, Chloe felt as if the situation was about to sway in her favor. Her initial terror gradually subsided, but more importantly, MD's change in attitude towards her led her to believe that he was having a change of heart and that he had decided to reconsider his decision. Maybe the Black Death had found a better candidate. Once night fell, MD asked her to sleep in his bed and did not touch her even once. For the first time in four days, Chloe had a good night's sleep. On the fifth day of her abduction, MD once again served her breakfast and made a startling revelation that he had already met her once in Paris, that it was in fact him who came to pick her up at the airport. He then had a long beard and dark glasses. Chloe could not believe her ears. MD, like a child who is forced to confess his stupidity, borrowed his head as he made his confession. He had fallen hopelessly in love with her, but had to put his feelings aside when he learned that she already was the mother of a small child. According to his own criteria, this wasn't possible. She had to be a virgin, and so he decided not to go any further. Nevertheless, he couldn't get the picture out of his mind. He thought about her day and night, every minute, every second to the point where he was obsessed. Chloe's fear came rushing back. What if instead of raping her, MD ended up killing her or possibly even keeping her there forever? 
Since he allowed her to take a walk around the house without going outside, she had quickly noticed that they were in the open Italian countryside and that there were no other farms in the area. If MD kept her there, she could spend days yelling for help and no one would hear her. Early in the morning of July 17, Chloe was awakened with a start by her kidnapper who, without asking her anything, taped her mouth, threw a bag over her head, handcuffed her and dragged her outside the room. She fell to her knees and began to beg him in Polish, Don't kill me! Don't kill me, please! I'm your girlfriend! Think about my baby! Think of my baby! He threw her in the same bag in which she had arrived six days earlier, locked her in the trunk and started the car. How long had they been driving? Was it an hour or perhaps two? Suddenly the car stopped. This is it. This is the end, thought the young woman. He's going to kill me for sure. The trunk opened as well as the bag zipper. A powerful hand snatched the young woman from her hiding place and violently threw her to the ground before loudly restarting the car and driving off. Chloe Ailing's life had been spared. She didn't know it at the time, but she was right in front of the British consulate in Milan. Chloe Ailing's return caused a media tsunami. For weeks, it was all that newspapers and national television could talk about. Shortly after leaving Chloe in front of the British consulate, Lucas was arrested by the Italian police. From that point onwards, contradictory testimonies and different versions proliferated from all sides. According to several Italian eyewitnesses, Chloe had been seen walking around with her abductor right in the middle of Milan and did not seem frightened at all and did not give the impression that she was being stalked. Video surveillance cameras have even recorded them walking hand in hand like a couple in love. According to the British Embassy in Milan, Chloe recounted that Lucas was in fact her friend, the only one she knew in Italy. Furthermore, he himself was a victim being used like a puppet by the Black Death Mafia organization that was constantly monitoring him. After that, Chloe would retract her statement in front of the British media and say that she had been the victim of brainwashing, which would explain her contradictory versions. After this unexpected public announcement, England was sharply divided into two camps. There were those who believed the theory that she had been kidnapped for ransom and those who swore that Chloe had fabricated the story out of thin air to garner media attention. According to many people, no mafia organization from Europe specializing in human trafficking would ever let a captive escape after six days of confinement. The Black Death organization could not be found either on regular search engines or the dark web. It never existed. The many press statements issued by Chloe, who appeared calm and smiling on the set of the BBC, reinforced the idea that she had made up everything. She incurred the wrath of Britons when she referred to those who did not believe the latest version of her story as haters. She later made a public apology by simply saying, I really was kidnapped in Italy. I feared for my life every minute that passed and it breaks my heart to know that some people still persist in believing that I fabricated it all for media attention, though I'm used to cameras, reporters and press all the time. Nevertheless, Chloe Eiling did not hesitate to use the notoriety created by the terrible event. Many people criticized her for selling the story for money and claimed that she was no better than those who wanted to kidnap her. The story of the kidnapping made its way around the globe and she was invited on several programs, particularly in the United States on the famous episode of Dr. Phil. During the summer of 2018, her Instagram account, Chloe Eiling 97 had been hacked and deleted probably because of posting photos that were deemed too sexy. In 2019, Chloe accused the police and the Italian government of having leaked a case of her kidnapping to gain credibility, allowing them to suggest that she had successfully stopped a large-scale human trafficking network. Phil Green, the director of Supermodel and Chloe's agent, was also accused of having thrown the young woman to the wolves for money. 
This method that he used to recruit wealthy clients again and again were close to pimping and he was harshly reproached by the British Conservative Party. Following the scandal generated by the kidnapping case, he published an autobiography titled Confessions of a Model Agent. Lucas Pavel Harbia, considered to be a very dangerous person in the words of the deputy prosecutor of Milan, Paolo Storari, was arrested on July 18, 2017 in Rome. He was indicted for kidnapping, forcible confinement, and extortion of funds. Apparently, four of his accomplices were still wanted but were not found by the Italian police. Harbia was sent to 16 years of criminal imprisonment. His sentence was reduced to just five years and eight months on a prison farm following the appeal by his lawyer. The theory of a fake kidnapping for publicity had taken into consideration as mitigating circumstances. His older brother, Mikhail Harbia, was also supposed to have taken part in the kidnapping. Chloe Eiling had written a journal where she related her six days of confinement. Today, she still pursues her career as a supermodel and continues to publish her photos on social media. In England, the story of the kidnapping of Chloe Eiling being put up for sale on the dark web remains an unsolved case. But there are still many gray areas. Victim, accomplice, and outstanding actress all at the same time, Chloe Eiling continues to assert that she was never in collusion with her kidnapper. Presumably, he wanted to kidnap her for the sole purpose of declaring his love and then would release her, since it would have been difficult for him to approach her otherwise. She described having been traumatized for months by the experience and that she required counseling and hypnosis to be able to go back to normal life. However, there are still many who continue to believe that the young woman was in search of international fame and knowingly went along with the charade to fake her own abduction. The young woman dismissed all these allegations and continued to proclaim her innocence despite all the opposition. We're at the end of our show for today. So feel free to listen to the other shows on the podcast and take five seconds to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. It's really important to us. You can also subscribe to the next episodes and follow us on Facebook to suggest new ones. Thank you and see you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.